Section 15 of Notes of an East Coast Naturalist by Arthur Henry Patterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Miscellaneous Notes, Part 2. Toad Notes. The list of East Coast Reptilia and Amphibia is not a large one although comprising most of the very small array of british species nor does the race exhibit very marked traits of intelligence so that an incident worthy of note is of extremely exceptional occurrence a cream-coloured common toad discovered in the neighbourhood in eighteen ninety one was incarcerated in a large fern case thus at once removing it from a sphere of usefulness and ending its adventures into this same case was introduced a viviparous lizard which after a few days tenancy was suddenly missing on search being made the end of its tail was seen protruding from the mouth of a toad the unfortunate creature having been seized and swallowed by an amphibian by no means so long as itself lobsters deformities and interesting accidents are far less frequent among lobsters than among crabs at least so my experience leads me to believe in june eighteen ninety five i was fortunate in seeing a fairly large lobster that not a great while previously had lost a pincer claw by some accident but a stump a less than half-length piece in fact of the joint or section next the carapace remained out of the centre of which sprang a minute but perfect new claw very little more than a fifth of the length of the full-grown claw remaining intact on the other side two pincer claws of lobsters came to hand in july nineteen o one one had the free keeler half the normal length and the other had the fixed end curved the wrong way after the manner of the beak of the avocet two teeth-like processes however met the free keeler in the latter example so that it was quite capable of strongly seizing any object crab notes in january and february there appears to be an inshoring of spider crabs the species known as hyas coarctatus is in this colder part of the year frequently thrown ashore by the waves where feebly struggling it falls an easy prey to the hooded crows or is flung among the flotsam at the tide mark to be presently covered by drift sand it is usually found in a soft state the old jacket having been but recently cast the frost very soon puts an end to its forceless squirming on the first of october eighteen ninety one a very fine edible crab measuring seven and a half inches across the carapace and scaling twelve pounds seized a mussel used as bait by an angler from one of the piers who secured it 
the animal having made its escape less possible by entangling the line about its claws this like occasional specimens taken in the shrimp nets had been swept southwards from the cromer crab grounds by a strong tide myriads of shore crabs carcinus minus swarm on braden mudflats the small trawl nets used for procuring the eel pelts viviparous blennies that are used as baits for eel lines come up with hundreds at a haul the eel babbers are pestered by them sometimes half a dozen gathering on and clinging to the worms upon their line anglers spend half their time rebaiting the hooks so assiduously stripped by them every time the line is put overboard up the bure even into the fresh waters they travel everywhere annoying and constantly trying the tempers of those whose lines and nets they infest anglers for butts or flounders in the bure usually smash every one they haul in having not the satisfaction of minimizing the evil but revenge on a particular individual who has tried perhaps to add injury to insult by endeavouring to hurt the fingers that peevishly wrenched it off the baits in the late autumn of eighteen ninety eight a local angling club thought to turn the perseverance and numbers as well as the greed of the pugnacious crabs to account by offering prizes for the greatest weight taken on one line one fellow baiting with a string of fresh whitings secured first prize with eleven and a quarter pounds the second prize-man fished with a sheep's head of the many thousands of shore crabs i have seen and examined i only once met with a specimen with a deformed pincer claw the upper or free keeler being only half the normal length and slightly upturned instead of rounded among the many deformities i have met with in cancer pagurus the edible crab may be mentioned the following one may the twenty ninth eighteen ninety seven the free keeler on the larger pincer claw when held point downwards was strikingly suggestive of a wellington boot an extra point curving off at a right angle with a small knob in the part corresponding with the instep this specimen was figured in the zoologist two april the thirtieth eighteen ninety eight a large claw of the edible crab brought me which had the fixed keeler supplemented by a second placed at half a right angle to it but instead of being only one pointed at the end divided and became v-shaped three july the tenth eighteen ninety nine a large crab claw on this date was given me the upper or free keeler having three points to it the lowest point shutting to the lower keeler in the usual way the three points made quite a w i obtained one very similar to this 
in july nineteen o one four september the nineteenth eighteen ninety nine a large claw at a fishmonger's was discovered to have an extra keeler growing from below the fixed point and almost at right angles to it this at the end looked very like a fleur-de-lis it was dispatched to cambridge five a the small claw of an edible crab had a v-shaped point very like a swallow's tail five b another possessed two points both free and working as if on a hinge september the seventeenth nineteen hundred six april the thirteenth nineteen o one the oddest malformation i have yet obtained was a small claw of the large edible crab it possessed three distinct points and had two separate joints that is a v-shaped point that worked on its own hinge and the single point on its own distinct pivot seven may the twenty seventh nineteen o one the pincer claw of a crab had on the free keeler near its point a large knobbed process as large as a bean when closed the claw had the appearance of grasping a big black bead eight september the eighth nineteen o three a big claw from a large crab had a point growing out from near the centre of the last section or palm and at right angles to the fixed keeler between them protruded a small point after being exhibited at a zoological society's meeting this specimen was handed over to the natural history museum nine on the same date a second came to hand having the fixed keeler short and stumpy yet very sharp at the end held sideways in the hand the grotesque member looked for all the world like the head and mandibles of a macaw only the free keeler was not quite so much curved the common shore crab has a habit of hiding in hollows in the rons that still border braden in places when the tide has receded from the flats those unable to scuttle into hiding and left on the flats creep under the matted zostera marina and there remain until the tide returns others sink themselves into the soft ooze which finds its level immediately above them those in the hollows of the rons holes scooped out by the constant lave of the water lie piled upon each other in heaps sometimes hundreds thick here they remain mutually agreed upon a toleration and good behaviour that far from characterise them when the flood tide again sets them at liberty to scuttle in search of food or fight as the case may be i first discovered these monster gatherings when in cutting a rond edge vertically so as to face it with wood to form a kind of quayside for my houseboat the spade sliced through quite a peck of them 
i have had many a bit of fun with the shore crabs that haunt the corner of Braden, where my houseboat is located after meals the waste pieces of fish bloater skins and other offal are thrown into the shallow water to the intense interest of these scavengers bones too large for some little fellow to drag away give occasion for a show of bullying at the claws of a larger relative free fights take place between evenly matched rivals and a great deal of threatening is indulged in it is seldom anything serious happens for the weaker one promptly shambles off to a safe or respectable distance and the successful claimant either shuffles off with its prize to the shelter of a piece of sea-rack or if its find be too large begins to pull off pieces which are hurriedly stuffed into its mouth i was very much interested in july 1901 at seeing a jellyfish moving about in a shallow trailing its tentacles behind it on the mud a couple of crabs followed it up closely seeming very much inclined to get a nip if possible yet on the slightest change of movement they nervously bolted aside i left them still manoeuvring like a cruiser harassed by a couple of dodging torpedo boats seaside scavengers in the sunnier days of summer the sandhopper talitrus locusta is fairly common on the beach spending much of its time amongst the debris cast up at the tide mark one has but to turn over the refuse there accumulated to bring to light swarms of all sizes which are soon surprisedly skipping away to other places of shelter and disappearing again as if by magic there is very little that is of an animal or a vegetable character that defies their powers of assimilation dead fish birds weeds and even bits of writing paper anything in fact that can be nibbled is good enough for them young and old are as busy as bees it may be that the young remain with their parents until they attain maturity as suggested by a certain writer but i am inclined to think that the gregarious habits of the species have more to do with the keeping together of great and small than any possible family ties or mutual understanding the ringed plover and many another small shore bird are close students of the doings of the species and account for the demise of not a few in the august of eighteen ninety nine early one morning i found a large place head washed up by the sea a considerable company of small black flies actora ostium and another of sandhoppers had taken possession and were immensely busy above and below on kicking the head the host of participants in the feast decamped some of the sandhoppers tumbling out of the orifices in it below 
and a few of the flies in amazement creeping from the mouth and gill cover above there is little doubt in my mind that the flies discover their food by their sense of smell whilst the others use both eyes and organs corresponding with the sense of smell having cleared the table of occupants i picked up the fish's head and threw it a few yards farther along upon the same line of flotsam the wind was blowing from the land and the insect hunters were mostly engaged in their business between the tide mark and the sea and so were to the leeward of their breakfast in less than three minutes for i timed them as many as ninety-seven insects had again boarded it having worked by twos and threes and fours upwards their progression being in leaps and runs not an insect flew now they would stop a moment like hounds making sure of the scent now they jumped a few inches and then they ran a like distance two occasionally meeting from slightly different angles would fraternize in friendly buzz and gambol and then hurry on together to the joint others were still coming up when i lifted the head again and carried it several yards farther to windward in a couple of minutes seventeen were in to breakfast some having travelled eight yards to get there and once more i removed the head placing it on this occasion nearer the water's edge in three minutes but one insect had discovered it and this was an individual which happened to be passing to leeward the sand hoppers however do the lion's share of the eating and astonish one by the thoroughness as well as the alacrity with which they devour every muscular fragment found upon the small fish and the crabs that are thrown up and left upon the sands perfectly empty crab shells are found and pogs small flatfish and others are very quickly reduced to a mere outside skin and inside skeleton an aged prawn the aesop's prawn pandalus annulicornis is extremely abundant off the norfolk and suffolk coasts pecks of it are often taken daily by each shrimp boat belonging to the port of these craft some seventy or eighty are registered here as is well known these crustaceans shed their outside garment at stated intervals but one i obtained in may nineteen o one had quite a cluster of young acorn barnacles balanus balanoides growing upon its carapace it is evident this jacket had not been recently acquired starfish mishap after a severe northeast gale in april nineteen o two i took a long walk northward of yarmouth along the beach i observed hundreds of five-rayed starfishes eurasta rubens and eleven twelve and thirteen-rayed stars solaster paposa 
hundreds of empty shells of the horse mussel modolia modolius and with them many sea mice an interesting accident befell the cat of a friend with whom i had left a few of the sun stars to look at during the tea hour the feline member of the family managed to devour the half of one in half an hour's time she could not walk straight and groaned piteously after a collapse of some hours duration she got upon her feet and could just manage to stagger along her jaws which had become rigid relaxed the symptoms were altogether those of poisoning next day however she was herself again and i received emphatic orders never to bring starfishers there again insect notes in the summer of eighteen ninety four a very old house in one of the poorest and most crowded parts of the town was pulled down in order to prevent its coming down on its own initiative for three or four years previous a large swarm of bees had taken up their quarters in a part of a chimney that was unused and when the wreckers commenced to unroof the place they met with a rather hostile reception from the wandering insects one man was stung on the eyelid whilst other stings were distributed in a most liberal manner numbers of the bees settled upon the naked rafters while others buzzed threateningly around the despoilers heads a hole was made in the chimney and a bunch of rags stuffed into the aperture with sulphur and paraffin and set fire to this had the effect of stupefying the bees still at home and adding an unwanted flavour to the honey accumulated huge pieces of the comb were pulled out and thrown to the assembled children of tender and maturer ages below for which a general scramble took place some brought plates and dishes in which to carry the comb away i picked up a piece and knocking several bees off it found some of it exceedingly good whilst a portion here and there was smoky flavoured while sucking a bit of comb one man received a sting on his finger whilst another heedless of fresh consignments descending from above was struck on the back of his neck with a huge piece of soft treacly comb that fairly poulticed him two buckets full of spoil in all was appropriated the most curious thing witnessed was when the chimney had been thrown down how the survivors and the homecoming bees wheeled round and round disconsolately and dumbfounded in the air where the chimney had been for two or three summers previous these bees which had discovered the treasures spread upon the various sweet stalls in the market-place made themselves a great nuisance by smothering the sweets by the hundred all day long the following paragraph appeared in the columns of a local paper early in july eighteen ninety seven hemsby destruction of the strawberry crop 
this parish has been met in the midst of the jubilee rejoicings with a plague of beetles which has totally destroyed the strawberry crop in some instances where upwards of a ton would have been taken not one pound will be gathered this means a loss of many pounds this pest is nowhere to be seen during the daytime but comes in thousands during the night can any reader find a remedy or a destruction for these pests on the strength of this paragraph i went to the village armed with a matchbox in order to make a few prisoners for future investigation i went to one grower's place and looked at a half-acre patch of the very dry upland sandy strawberry ground on which were twenty-seven rows of plants the year previous it had yielded between sixty and seventy stones of fruit this year scarcely a stone had been worth the gathering pushing my fingers through the soil under and around the plants i very soon had a handful of beetles black thoraxed dull brown-backed and ruddier brown-legged little fellows scarcely over half an inch in length known to science as harpalus rufi cornis they're the brutes said the indignant gardener and certainly the brutes had been busy whole clusters of strawberries ripe and unripe having been denuded of their seeds and nibbled where the seeds came out the soil too was riddled by them and so numerous were they that a mole or two had been drilling high tunnels undoubtedly in quest of them for the soil was far too dry for worms the previous year had been quite a grub season so the occupier said although they did no mischief at scrapby caister hemsby philby and ormsby where the soil was dry and light the beetles had been exceedingly mischievous whilst at belton and in other marshy districts good crops were the usual thing various letters followed an article of mine published in the eastern daily press reasons for the beetle's abundance were suggested as well as remedies advocated two previous mild winters with exceedingly little frost would account for the preservation of many of the grubs and my opinion is that the zeal which characterises the gardeners in that neighbourhood in the slaughter of grub-eating birds was a far greater evil then too the continuous cultivation of the strawberry upon the same fields must surely have been a mistake i advocated turning in the village children to stir up the soil and collect the beetles at a premium and suggested that young fowls more especially ducklings should in future be penned in the vicinity in their season half a dozen of the beetles i carried home i shut up in a glass pot taking care that they should for a few days at least do penance at the end of a week they were tame enough and fairly hungry 
i tried them with freshly killed dipterous insects but they refused to have anything to do with them but on placing a strawberry amongst them they set to with a zest that showed they were not only hungry but knew what suited their palate they were busy all breakfast time and in broad daylight too and were determined to remain by their treasure even when i twirled the strawberry round by the stalk between my fingers in an hour the berry was completely riddled with holes at belton there are gardens where the soil is quite as sandy and as dry and undoubtedly as suited to the habits of harpalus but the natterjack toad is unusually numerous there so much so that ground vermin of the harpalus kidney are rare enough for the toad has an excellent appetite fortunately for themselves as well as the toads belton folk let them altogether alone well knowing the useful purpose they serve in may eighteen ninety nine the larvae of the tipula locally known as daddy longlegs were discovered in the grass of the beech gardens for some unaccountable reason they turned up in thousands each morning pecks of them indeed being seen in the few days of their sojourn above ground they were brushed up and destroyed but the grass was ruined the sparrows took no notice of them in the first week of september the grassy banks of braden walls on the north side near my houseboat simply teemed with crane flies the insects produced from the larvae above mentioned each grass tuft looked like a ripe reed as they clung in clusters to it as one brushed through the grass they fell off in scores and hundreds i do not think i shall exaggerate if i estimate their numbers in millions fortunately a stiff breeze from the landward side of the bank blew them into the salt water of braden and in one day destroyed many of them they floated in thousands on the surface of the water and although daddy is a rare hand at clearing himself from the unwanted element struggling was in vain for the heavy wind very soon forced him back again to perish end of section 15 end of notes of an east coast naturalist by arthur henry patterson